Hi, I'm Genevieve Pardo, and this is the Grit and Grace podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'll speak with Rachel Engstrom, who is the author of Wife, Widow, Now What? She will share with us her journey um, as her partner faced and finally succumbed to leukemia. And she took this grief and she took her experience and she put it into uh, just a truly incredible book. Um, Not only is she a beautiful writer, she really is a, a gifted storyteller, but the great thing about this book is that it's a reference guide. So often when we're faced with um, this life altering news, we don't even know where to begin. So this book walks you through where to go, who to talk to, what to ask. Uh, It is full of resources. So it really is a toolbox uh, for helping navigate the American healthcare system. But then again, it's also this incredible love story. So here is my chat with Rachel. Uh, So this is the Grit and Grace podcasts. And finally, I got the intro right. This is Rachel Engstrom. She (laughs) is the author of Wife, Widow, Now What? It is, uh, I've been posting about it this week. It is such a powerful book. I've called it a love story. Um, I mean, it's like a reference guide. It's a memoir. I don't know how to describe it. And I was just saying to Rachel, like, I'm not really going to talk a lot for once. I'm going to put it on her. So can you tell us, Rachel, uh, first of all, welcome. And thank you so much for being so generous with your time. And can you tell us a little bit about your story? Yeah. Thank you so much for having me here, Genevieve. So um, I am about to be 39. And when I was 28, the awesome guy that I've been married to for six years didn't feel well one day and went to a doctor's appointment. And we found out two days later that he had leukemia. So at 28, I became a young cancer wife. And then two days after I turned 31, I became a cancer widow. Um, So it was, I was just thrown into this whole life that I didn't ask for, that I didn't know how to navigate, that I didn't know how to ask for support, um, all these different things. So within that, I learned so much about myself, so much about how to navigate all of it, that I decided to write it down on paper. So I have this book out to help people and within doing, within writing it and every time I would edit it and all those things, you just learn more and more about yourself. And I think that, you know, giving myself grace and knowing, you know, we all have regrets about different things, but how much I've learned and, you know, I missed my late husband. It's been, it'll be eight years soon. I wouldn't take anything back. Of course, I'd take away his pain. I would take away, you know, of course him dying, but I've just learned so much about myself and my faith. And I really, truly believe that if you don't go through really hard things, why are you going to need to lean on God that you have to go through these tough things? And that, you know, I really don't like the saying, God doesn't give you more than you can handle. We get so much more than we can handle. (laughs) I think that it's how how you deal with it. Are you going to be better? Are you going to be better? And God gives us the grace, how to navigate those things. And then whether it's reading the word or right now I'm reading, um, rereading it. Cause I'm just got getting to the point where I, um, where I started it last year, but I'm reading streams in the desert, a book that was written in 1925. That's there's been several other versions now, but it, oh, wow. it talks about, that very much like, um, Sarah Young's Jesus 
calling like through mm -hmm. his illness and being a widow and now you read these things that are so applicable to your day it's almost creepy because you're like did this get written today <laughs> for me <laughs> it's well one of the things you have said is like give it to god and i don't think i think we can uh interchange the word God with the universe or faith, yeah. give it to faith, mm -hmm. give it to your story, give it to like the divine higher power, like whatever works for you. But I love that I do like give it to God, just like hand it over. There's a tremendous amount of power and surrender. Um, but I want to know, so how long after did you experience this journey with your husband did you think okay I have to write this down or was it uh simultaneous it was actually about a year almost a full year I'd say like because I remember where I was standing in my bedroom mm -hmm. it was like February and he died in April so it was about yeah. 10 months after he died I was like I need to write this down because it just like flat out sucked and it still sucks and it's so yeah. hard and I yeah. wish that I had had someone's story to look at and there are other books and other things out there but not specifically how to navigate it when people want to know how to help what to do a list of things that are tangible things people can do to help and it's literally the chronological order of my caring bridge post my facebook post and then when i had to learn how to navigate insurance employment all those different things that i would take care of for him and for i you know i put tips this is how you do it this is what you do ask these questions so it's literally a foolproof guide of you're wondering open it up and look at it yeah. you know it's that type of thing i have when you're there's a catastrophic illness of your person whether it's your spouse or your parent or what significant other sibling and you're the one you know in there boots yeah. on the ground helping first thing is i don't want them to die how am i going to get them treatment the second is okay can i work can i not can they work can i not but the third thing is money how do you figure out money how do you do all that i have a budget sheet how to navigate all that things you might need to cut out things you might you know all so it's literally how i did it and i hate when people say literally so much but literally this is how i did it this is how I did it. You can read it and I don't sugarcoat anything either. You're seeing the good, the bad, the ugly, the really ugly. And then how I pulled myself back up. And one of the things I do to this day um, with some tough stuff that happens in my life that's from an external toxic source in my life and things that are hard that you can't control is I pretend I'm on an airplane and I shut the the flight attendant is shutting the hatch door and we're backing up from the runway. So I like literally do the thing with my arm, like I'm shutting it and I do my arms like back, like what? I'm pulling back and you gotta let it go. Whether you have faith or the universe or what you were saying, you just have to put it out there and move on because if you hold it in, it's just too much. It's so true, let it go. And I think that um, whether you have been affected by illness, you know, with your person or, the past year, everything we've been through, like the idea of an external toxic source is pretty, that definitely hits home. And so that, you know, letting it go. Um, there's also for those of us, of you watching from the video. Um, so Rachel was doing the getting on a plane and I love you do it better than I do. But there's also the idea like wiping, kind of cutting the cord, like there's an energetic 
um, cord in your mid back that people believe you can just kind of like let it go. And that's really, Oh, I didn't know that. That's, that's cool. so beautiful. Yeah. I wanted to say also in your book, you mentioned, um, the questions to ask when your person becomes sick, because it can be so overwhelming. Like, how do you know most people, the first time they step into oncology, you know, that it's so overwhelming. So I love that you included that, the questions to ask, um, but then you weave in like this, I mean, some of it's really funny and it's like, you're a great <laughs> writer. And then you're just, Thank you know, you. some of it is obviously uh, a lot of tear jerking. And, um, but the story, what I like is that you brought in the family, like the extended family and these experiences as well. Um, it wasn't just your journey you know, it's from mm -hmm. your perspective, but yeah. So how was that experience when you were kind of thinking about it and looking back and pulling all the pieces, like it really affects the entire family. Um, so how was that for you? It does. It does. And mm -hmm. I think the biggest thing is, so my brother, who's 14 years older than me, he came out right away. Um, when my late husband Grayson was sick and stayed with us. And I talk about that in the book and he drove us, you know, when you're young and you find out you have cancer, you have to go get cryogenics. You have to freeze your sperm, mm -hmm. harvest your eggs, whatnot. You don't want to think about that. Like there's too much going on. Right. So he drove us there. He took us yeah. to the grocery store doing all that stuff. So over this past Christmas, he actually had COVID so bad was in the ICU. He almost died. And I thought, holy cats, this is the first time I'm experiencing even a nugget of what they must've felt like my three siblings when my late husband was ill and I was going through this. Yeah. And, you know, for privacy reasons, I changed everyone's name in the book. So I let them choose their names, except my brother. He's like, why did you name me Jack? And I was like, well, I asked you, you didn't give me a name, but my Ugh. sisters, you know, pick their names and my parents, I, you know, picked around what I thought that they would like, but yeah. for the most part, they have not read it until they didn't read it until it came out. So it was my experience, what I saw, what I knew. Um, and I like to pack, pack some surprises of how much support and grace and joy I got yeah. for them to be able to know that this is literally written down forever because I could not have done this without them. And what's really tough is some people and I reflect on this in the book. Some people really don't have support networks. Yeah. Um, so I talk about ways to get support for yourself, whether you're the patient or the caregiver, um, because just in the 10 years since Grayson got sick and eight years since he died, there's so much more online as far as, you know, right. support groups, links, everything. And you just really have to pony up and access what's out there because you really are going to need it. Whether you have a village surrounding you or just no one or a couple of people, you are going to need that support because you really do sink or swim. I feel like you would say the support, but yeah. So I was speaking with a friend of mine, he had a, a brain tumor and I said, what is your biggest takeaway? And he said, how much I value my friends. And so if I were to ask you the same question, I, I imagine it would be friends or family, but what would you what would you say your biggest takeaway from all of this experience was? Support. Could you network? pick one? <laughs> yeah. The support network. I mean, yeah. knowing that you need to take care of yourself. I yeah. write about that, about how I had certain things that I did, but I don't think I was as good as I like looking back now, people are like, Oh, you did a great job. People that have read it. And I'm like, no, I could have done a lot more to take care of myself. 
But I think the biggest thing is to just know that you have levels of strength and reserve that you are not aware are there. And when you go through it, like after going through this, I feel like I literally walked hand in hand through fire with my late husband. And I feel like not that I'm like, world, give me all, give me awfulness, but I'm like, you know, if you bring it, I've been there and I'll be able to do it. And I think that we really don't realize how strong we are until we're faced with it. And it's, you are actually able to do a lot more than you think that you ever could. Yeah. Oh, that's, uh, yeah, that's absolutely incredible. Um, and so who did you write this book for? Who's the first person when you were thinking, I got it right for you, I think it was probably incredibly yeah. cathartic, <laughs> incredibly <laughs> healing. Um, but in terms of the reader, who did you write this for? Yeah. So it was actually cathartic, but it was really painful, very painful to write. Um, there were some things that I hadn't thought about. Luckily I have, you know, I, it was like a self-esteem boost for me. Like, oh my gosh, this writing is great. I did such a good job, you know, good job, Rachel. You did such a good job at the yeah. time, but I didn't feel like it back then. But what's amazing is because I write the nitty gritty, you see some days are like, oh my gosh, today's a good day. And the next day I'm like, today's awful. Yeah. So I think that part of it is, you know, I wrote it for me, but I really, if I could put this in the hands of anyone, it's the spouses and significant others. Yeah. Because when you're in it, you may have people in your life that have cancer experience, but most likely, unless you're reaching out to a specific niche of people, most likely it's going to be someone that's like, oh, my mom had cancer or my uncle did, or my brother did. It's not the person that you planned your entire life with yeah. that, you know, you want to do all these things with that. It throws a wrench in it. And you're thinking, please, God, don't let my life die. Yeah. It's, yeah. oh, it is such, I mean, yeah, it's, it's such an incredible, uh, story. And we were, when we had spoken previously before the interview, um, I do, I mentioned, I do know a young widow like yourself. And I think that experience as well is surreal. I can't even imagine. Mm -hmm. Um, did you feel that you had a good, or were you able to find a network, um, of women your age or how, how did that look for you after? No, no. Um, <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> that's another reason that yeah. I wrote it is being a cancer wife at 28, but let alone being a widow at 31. And then I had health issues and, um, my endometriosis got endometriosis got really bad to the point where I had a surgery the same week. He had his bone marrow transplant. We're both sitting there on his transplant day, like on our mutual painkillers in pain. Yeah. And I ended up after he left to just, or excuse me, after he died, I just threw in the towel and got a hysterectomy because my quality of life was so bad. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, all these people, my age, everyone rallies when there's a crisis and all these people, my age, God love them. Like they went back to their, not that no one did anything wrong, but they went back to their normal life with their children, with their marriage, with their things. And I'm sitting here with, in the days of Facebook with people with their beautiful children and their happy lives. And you just get really bitter. You get really bitter, feel really sad, feel really isolated. So the people that I did have were people like for the leukemia and lymphoma society, yeah. um, and the team and training marathon program that I did. Um, still some of those people I'm connected to today, um, that are some of my greatest supporters, 
So it's kind of different avenues. I really didn't find a kinship with any widows since um, a lot of them that were my age that I found had children. I did not. That was very isolating. Mm -hmm. Also, the fact that um, a lot of widows just are older. Um, And, you know, I've been with Charles for 40 years and it's like, okay, that's great. And I, I understand that it's in ways that I can't comprehend. It's very difficult, you know, that you're, but mine was my entire adult experience, Mm -hmm. quote unquote, adult years, 19 through 31, I was with him and then he died. And I was like, well, now I have to restart. So I surrounded myself by people that I knew that were positive friendships, different things like that. I also lost a lot of friends, which things happen just because people don't know what to do or, you know, life changes. Just like when you leave a job, you might not have those friends anymore, those things. So, you know, through life experiences, finding different people, um, this kind of how I found my network. Oh, I love it. And so tell me, tell everyone listening how you guys met. We actually met through mutual friends. He worked at a industrial factory and someone that I knew through the dorm when I was 18, her boyfriend worked with him. Yeah. So she had a birthday party for him and this guy showed up and, um, you know, being 19, I was like, oh my gosh, he's so old. Cause he was about to be 26. <laughs> But my parents got married when they were 19. My mom was 19 and my dad was 26. So they couldn't say anything. (laughs) Um, Not that I would have cared, but um, we met and then we dated and it was just wonderful and got married when I was 22 and he was about to be 28. And, you know, he worked nights the entire time we were together. Mm -hmm. So it was actually a gift of time that we were able to spend more time together in the two years and three months that he was ill. And, you know, I wish of course that he didn't have to go through everything that he went through, but that was definitely a core experience. The most proudest accomplishment of my life, you know, still today to be able to go through all of that with him. And it's really, I think what people don't understand is, as difficult as it, as it is, it's just a privilege to be able to take care of the person that you love and spend time. Oh, hard not to cry when I talk to you, (laughs) girl. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah, no, it's uh, your story is so incredible. And I, I just, thank you. I don't know what it is. I just felt like, you know, this is like I said, it's a love story. I feel like anyone can pick this up and just Mm -hmm. feel so touched by it. And so you are, you are, of course, still involved with the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. So tell me how that looks now. Yeah, I'm actually running for woman of the year from March 11th through May 21st, trying to raise $60,000 in Grayson's name for blood cancer. It's pretty ridiculous. Like every three minutes, someone is diagnosed with blood cancer. It's the number one childhood cancer. And then even if you do survive childhood cancer, there's a 80% of people go on to have health issues after that. Mm-hmm. Um, but what's really cool is the, my guy didn't make it, but the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society now has done so much with research and development that they're, the things they're learning are being used for other forms of cancer too, which I actually just learned yesterday. Um, so I'm trying to raise as much money as I can right now. I'm busting my butt, reaching out to businesses, looking for sponsors, all kinds of stuff like that. But it's, it's so fun because you're doing something so good. And I actually have people, nine people, um, that are fundraising with me, friends that care about me and that are 
interested. So we're just going to do the most that we can. And um, so I'm racing against other people over these 10 weeks to raise as much as we can. So um, I will have information on, I have a wife widow now at Facebook page and Instagram page. So I'll have information if anyone wants to donate, but it's, um, it's just, it's an incredible world when you can see something so terrible and give something back. And especially right now with COVID, I feel like my book is very applicable to all the people going through serious illnesses. And there are so many young widows and widowers, not that you have to be a young in that situation for my book to be applicable, but there's just so many unexpected things happening right now that I think that this would help people, but it really is cool when you can go through something so ugly and then come back up jumping and fighting and ready to help other people. Cause you give it to God. That I do. <laughs> you are the best. Okay. Where can people buy your book? Yes, you can get it on Amazon. Um, so it's Wife, Widow, Now What? This is what it looks like. So it's actually Wife, Widow, Now What? How I Navigated the Cancer World and How You Can Too. But you are correct. It is a toolbox and a love story. It's a toolbox and, and a love story. That is all you need for life. <laughs> you need a toolbox and a love story. And you're good. You and just some like, water. <laughs> and some water. Oh my gosh. So yeah, you can find it on Amazon in paperback or ebook, Kindle version. Perfect. Uh, and I am more than happy to, if anybody wants to message me on Wife Widow Now What on Facebook or anything like that, I am always open to answering people's questions, whatever they may have as well. So you're so awesome. We're going to make sure all of the info is, I always go like this below, popped below. <laughs> um, you know what I mean? And um, yeah, thank you so much. So tell me one thing that you're looking forward to could be your family or, you know, whatever in 2021, what's the, what's the big, exciting thing that you're looking forward to this year? Honestly, I've got limeade in the refrigerator and a brand new puzzle. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> I have a donut, a round donut um, puzzle with donuts all over it. And it's really hard and I'm very intimidated. And every time I get out a puzzle, I feel that way. And I'm going to accomplish a big chunk tonight in this weekend. <laughs> I love it. I dig it. And I am looking very, I'm, I'm just looking forward to doing good. This is, there's so much that's so tough right now and raising money for people that are very much in need of it. Being healthy is a luxury. So I just feel very, you know, of course, spending time with family when I can and doing things like that, but raising, raising this money is, and getting this book in the hands of anybody and everybody that, you know, you're, you have a friend they're like yours, that their spouse is going through it or whatever's going through it to be able to be like, even if you get 15% insight, what it might feel to be them, that's what's needed to be able to have those amazing relationships and connections, which we need more than ever right now. Oh my gosh. True words. Yes. Well, thank you so, so much for your time today. It's, I, I just want to squeeze you. I can't wait one day. I'm through squeezing. Thank you so much. Squeeze. <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the Grit and Grapes podcast. My name is Genevieve Pardo. You can follow us online if you want to watch the IGTV version of this interview. It is at Grit and Grace podcast on Instagram. Thank you so much. And be sure to pick up Rachel Engstrom's book, Wife, Widow, Now What? on Amazon. Have a great day.